I'll take a few minutes to try to get a video clip going. Hopefully it will work. If it doesn't work, it's okay. I'm used to that. The language is not English, so please read the words which come. That's the story of the barber. Now let me ask you another question. And this is not from the book of Proverbs. Okay, I haven't forgotten that, but this is not from the book of Proverbs. And the question is simply this. Who was Zacchaeus? You know, in the Bible there's a guy called Zacchaeus. Can you tell me something about him? He was a tax collector, great. He was a, he was a short guy, okay. He wanted to see Jesus. Oh, okay, he climbed the tree. Yep, he, pro he probably was just as noisy as this when he was trying to climb the tree. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Can I have my next slide, sister? So let's open to Luke chapter 19 and read verses 1 to 3. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 3. And today we are going to look into the life of this man, Zacchaeus. 
and see what lessons we can draw from him. Now from these three verses, this is what we get. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. From these three verses, we actually get five characteristics of Zacchaeus. Number one, he was a man who lived in Jericho. Number two, he was a chief tax collector. Number three, he was rich. Number four, he was short. And number five, he wanted to see Jesus. Now, if you relook these characteristics, you will easily realize that the first four are really unimportant. The first, first four characters mentioned that he was a man who lived in Jericho, that he was a chief tax collector, he was rich, he was short. These are not important issues at all. The only important issue regarding his character is the fact that he wanted to see Jesus. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter where Zacchaeus lived. And frankly, for you and me, it doesn't matter where we live. It didn't matter what job Zacchaeus had. And today, it doesn't matter what job you and I might be having. It didn't matter if Zacchaeus was rich or short. It doesn't matter if you or I, we are poor or rich, tall or short, fat or thin, fair or dark, hairy or hairless. It simply doesn't matter. What mattered was that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And today, it's the same issue. Today, what matters is really whether you and I want to see Jesus or not. And that's the question each one of us has to answer. How deep is your longing for Jesus? How far are you prepared to go to meet Jesus? Now I know most of you must be thinking, why are we talking about this Sunday school story? Why don't we take some, something else? Okay, all I know is this, there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from Zacchaeus. And we are going to look at those lessons. Let's take a minute to just thank the Lord. Father God, we just want to thank you for this time. And Father, even as we continue to study from your word, we pray, Lord, that you will reveal to us truth that you want us to learn this day, Lord Father. We just commit ourselves into your hands. We ask that you open our eyes of understanding. That even as we read your words, truth which has missed us in the past, you will reveal unto us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And therefore, I have just titled this very short exhortation as Lessons from Zacchaeus. Now let's go back to the Bible, to Luke chapter 19, and let's continue reading. I'll read the whole passage from 1 to 10. Okay, we read 1 to 3, but let's read it again and continue on to 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see who Jesus was but could not because of the crowd for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down, and he received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now 
Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So what are the different points that we get, other than the characteristics that we have seen in Zacchaeus? Number one, Zacchaeus' determination. Okay, verses 3 to 5 is all about Zacchaeus' determination. Let's take verse 3. Zacchaeus sought out Jesus. Zacchaeus sought out Jesus. Zacchaeus actually went out actively looking for Jesus. He determined in his mind that that day, come what may, he was going to see Jesus. Now remember, according to the Bible, he just wanted to see him. That's all that Zacchaeus wanted to do. Now who was this man Jesus that Zacchaeus was so interested in? Why did he want to see this man Jesus? Jesus was not considered Messiah. The Jews never looked at him as the Messiah. Jesus was not considered as the God who should come down. People were mocking Jesus. They looked at him and said, this is the carpenter. Oh well, not even the carpenter, but the son of the carpenter. Isn't this person from here and from there and whatever? They used to say all those kinds of things. So what is it that Zacchaeus was really looking for? Why was he interested in this carpenter from Nazareth? Who had interesting things to say. Well, Jesus could also perform miracles. Probably Zacchaeus heard about that. But it was this Jesus, there was something that Zacchaeus decided. He needed to see this Jesus. Even if I don't talk to him, even if I don't meet with him, it's okay, I just want to see this person. That's all that I want to do. And so Jesus, that was his first determination. He sought out Jesus. In verse 4, we see that Zacchaeus did not bother about his dignity. Now the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus was a short person. And he couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd. He was not a child. He was not a teenager. He was possibly a reasonably older person. And yet he decided that in order to see Jesus... He had to put away his dignity, his pride. In the midst of people, he had to pull up his dishdasher. They didn't wear pants and jeans and uh, all those things. They wore dishdashers. He pulled up his dishdasher and climbed up into a sycamore tree. How many of us adults will do that? I mean, we might have done it as kids. We might have climbed up various trees as kids. We might have climbed up compound walls to look at the person on the other side, maybe. But now, as adults, we have dignity. You know, I have pride. I'm not going to do such silly things. And yet, that's what Zacchaeus did. That was his determination. He said, I'm not bothered about my pride. I'm not bothered about what people think about me. I'm not even bothered about my safety. He was climbing up a tree which could, the branch could break and fall at any time. He said, that's okay, but I need to see this Jesus. That was his determination. And there he was, climbing up onto this tree. We also see that, from the same verse, nothing was going to stop Zacchaeus. So this is the next point. You see, his desire to see Jesus was so strong that he was willing to forsake anything and to do anything in order to just get to Jesus. He probably realized 
that he was going to be the laughing stock of that town. People did not like Zacchaeus anyway. He was a tax collector. People mocked him. And here he was a short guy. Probably they would call him shorty. I don't know. Okay, but he said, I, that's okay. Let anything happen. But nothing is going to stop me. I am so determined to see this man Jesus. This man who speaks so well. This man who performs miracles. I just need to see him. And so nothing was going to stop him. And from verse 5, we see one thing. Zacchaeus' determination brought him the victory he desired. You see, he was determined to see Jesus. And so here he was, climbing up that tree. I don't know how, many, how, how tall the branch was. But all we know is he climbed up the tree. And then Jesus comes there. And Jesus does something which even Zacchaeus would not have imagined possible. He stops. He stops and he says, I need to talk to you. Come down. I'm not just talk to you. I'm coming to your house. And if we remember our Sunday school song, I'm coming to your house for tea. That's the way the Sunday, song, Sunday school song goes. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for tea. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was a rich man. He knew that he was a man high in society. But Jesus also knew that Zacchaeus was empty on the inside. There was an emptiness that his position was not able to fill. There was an emptiness that his riches were not able to fill. Jesus was able to recognize that. And when he saw Zacchaeus sitting on that branch, trying to peep out and see this man Jesus, Jesus himself said, I am going to meet that need tonight. He may want to just see me, but I am going to go a further step. And you see, that's the victory for Zacchaeus. That's the first victory for Zacchaeus. Because all he did was, he said, I am determined to see Jesus. Come what may, that's going to be what I'm going to do. And so therefore, Zacchaeus' determination brought him his desired victory. Now the question is not about Zacchaeus. It's about you and me. Zacchaeus is a nice story. And it's a story we have read many times. But we need to go beyond that. It's about you and me. When you chose to come here this evening, did you come to see Jesus? Did you come to meet with Jesus? Or did you come because Brother's Life has a Monday service on the last Monday of the month and I just have to go? Because if that's the reason, that's the wrong reason. The only reason you should be having to be here this evening is you want to meet Jesus. That's what Zacchaeus wanted to do. And so today I'm asking you the same question. Why are you here? Are you here to see Jesus? Are you here to meet with Jesus? Are you here to talk with Jesus? Are you here to be ministered to by Jesus? Because if that's what you want, that's what you'll get. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He was determined to see Jesus. He was able to do it. So the first step to meeting with Jesus is to seek him out. You'll have to seek him out. Just like we saw in that video clip. God's there. You've got to seek him out. Jesus is there. You've got to seek him out. And let me tell you, this is not about unsaved people. Sometimes there is a coldness, a casual 
attitude that sets in into us born-again believers. So we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is not somebody I met long time back. Jesus is somebody I need to meet all the time. And if I have to meet him today, I have to meet him today. I can't do anything in my life without Jesus. So I know that a lot of you are believers here. And you're probably wondering, why am I talking to you about this? But the simple fact of the matter is, familiarity breeds contempt. And utter familiarity breeds utter contempt. So the longer we have been in Christ, we have probably forgotten to talk to Him daily. You might have been talking to Him much more when you were a new Christian. Asking Him questions, putting across your doubts, and talking to Him and getting answers from Him. But is that same conversation going on right now between you and Jesus? Are you able to talk with Him at all times? Are you able to meet with Him? That's the first step. You need to seek Him out. The second step is to throw out your pride and your dignity. It simply does not matter who you are in society. There is a great premium paid on positions in society. But in the eyes of God, that's utter rubbish. So we have simply got to forget the fact that you might be somebody big in society or not. It simply doesn't matter who you are in society, how big or how small you are in society. It simply doesn't matter how big or how small your salary is. And the bigger the salary, the greater the need to throw out the pride and the dignity. It simply doesn't matter whether you have a university doctorate or if you are a school dropout. And the more degrees we have behind our names, the greater the need for us to throw them out. Okay, there is a tendency in this land that we come and we start acquiring degrees. Okay, we start building up the A's and the B's and the C's and the D's before we return to our countries. But when we seek out Jesus, He's not interested in that. He's not interested in any of that stuff. It doesn't matter what possessions we have, big, small, or nothing. And the less we have, it's easier for us to get to Jesus. But the more we have, it's time that we threw the pride that goes along with it. All that matters is that we throw out our pride and come in with humility. Zacchaeus threw out his pride. He was able to climb on that tree despite the expected mockings of people around him. And he was able to meet with Jesus. We have got to put away false pride and then meet with Jesus. Step number three is to go the extra mile. Zacchaeus climbed the tree. That's not normal. You would stand somewhere on the roadside. You would walk a little more and try to find a gap and try to see this Jesus. You would try to shoulder your way in between people and try to put your head through and maybe at least one eye and then look at this Jesus. But climbing the tree is not the usual method one would adopt in order to see something. But Zacchaeus did that. He went the extra mile. He said, that's the only way I can do it. The crowd is so much, there is no other way I can do it. I have to think something else. I have to go do something extra. But you have, to, each one of us has to do that. We have to go the extra mile. It might not be enough. What we are doing right now might not be enough for us to be in constant communion with Christ. We may have to appear to do something foolish. Foolish to the world. 
but right in the eyes of God. You know the story of the, of the king who, who was, uh, uh, not the king, but the, uh, but the commander of the army who was turning into a leper, and he had to go and dip himself seven times in, in River Jordan. And he said, that's foolish. Why would I need to do that? Aren't there better rivers in my country? But he had to do it. And he got his healing. Sometimes we have to do things which appear foolish in the eyes of the whole world around us. They're going to laugh at us. But believe me, you'll have the last, the last laugh. When the whole world is crying, you'll be laughing. Because you did what was right. You did what got you to your Savior. Zacchaeus did it. People might have laughed at him. But he got to meet the Savior. The fourth step is to determine in your heart that you will not leave without your victory. I don't know what burdens you have brought into the house of God today. I don't know what your cry to God has been. All I know is simply this. If you seek Him with humility and determination and faith, you will not be disappointed. Sister Renata just told us now that she was suffering with pain. And at one point she said, that's enough. I'm done with this pain. And that's it. God said, you're right, that's enough. Enough of that pain. Let's get you back to being healthy once again. So let your determination bring you your desired victory. Don't go away from here today without getting your victory. I don't know what it is that you want. You know it. Walk away from here a victor and don't carry the burden that you brought in. Don't carry it back out again. Number two is Zacchaeus' decisions. So the first one is Zacchaeus' determination. Number two is Zacchaeus' decisions. Verses 6 onwards. Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully. That's what the Bible tells us in verse 6. See, can you imagine the first decision that Zacchaeus took at that point? Inviting the Lord Jesus into his home with joy. The Bible tells us that he invited joyfully. That was his decision. It was his choice to do that. When Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, he said, come along. Let's go. And there was joy in his heart. Did he think for a moment of what his neighbors would say? What, it would, what impact it would have on his own job as a tax collector? How was he going to then meet with people and still collect their money? He didn't think about all those things. The thing that came across to him was that this man is coming to my house. I wanted to see this man, Jesus. He's now coming to my house. That's joy. That was his decision at that particular point. Now what about you and me? Have we invited Jesus into our lives, into our homes? With joy? Do we live lives of joy? Or do we have no specific feelings? Do we just say, well, every day comes and goes. I get up in the morning to face the trials of the day. And I go to bed at night without accomplishing anything much. What have I got to be happy about? What's there to be joyous about? Current situation is bad. Current situation may be bad, but you have a testimony right now. The current situation doesn't determine your progress. God determines your progress. Okay, so. Do we ever think about Jesus with joy? Because very often you would see that in the lives of 
born again believers, you start asking yourself the question, where is this joy that they are talking about? They keep grumbling and mumbling and complaining and telling us of all their problems. And yet they tell us, receive Jesus Christ because Jesus will give you joy. It doesn't gel. So we have got to be it. So we've got to ask ourselves that question. Now, in my life, circumstances are always there to pull you down, to attempt to pull you down. That's okay. They're all there to come to pass. Nothing is going to stay. Nothing is permanent. The only thing that you can consider permanent if you are in Christ is the joy of the Lord. So we've got to live our lives that way. You see, Jesus in your life and joy in your heart goes together. You can't divorce one from the other. If Jesus is in your life, there's got to be joy in your heart. Number three, sorry, verse eight. Still we are on his decisions. Zacchaeus renounces half his worldly wealth. And the first part of verse 8 is actually an astounding statement. Because it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. Nobody asked him to do that. The Lord did not ask him to do that. He did not link it with anything. It was just a statement of intent. It was not a conditional statement. There were no strings attached. There was no if or but. It simply was, look Lord, half of what I have, I give to the poor. You see, because at that point, Zacchaeus had made one great discovery. He discovered that all the wealth that he had amassed over a period of time, that he had probably cherished till that moment of time, was nothing but dust, dung and rubbish. What he had now in his home, who he had now in his home, was much, much more valuable. He didn't need the worldly wealth. With Jesus with him, he was the richest man on earth. When you have Jesus with you, you are the richest person on earth. It doesn't matter if your banker doesn't tell you that. The fact of the matter is, with Jesus with you, you cannot be poor. That's the simple fact of the matter. And Zacchaeus realized that. He said, I don't need all these. Well, let me give it off. Give it off to those who need it. I've got more than I need. Very often we find the exact opposite is what we do. We accept Christ. We keep praying. And then at some point we say, God, you told me that when I accept you and receive you into my heart, you will open out the windows of heaven and blessings shall be poured out upon me. I've received you, but where are my blessings? I've still got the same things that I had when I didn't know you. You see, but the lesson for us is don't look for things. When you have Jesus, you don't need anything else. Actually, everything else are just traps to pull you down. To keep you away from Jesus. We don't need any of these things. Verse 8, second part tells us that Zacchaeus practiced restitution. Because in the second part of that verse he says, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. See, that is the conditional statement there. He says, if I have taken anything by false accusation. If I have taken things the right way as per my job, as per the instructions of my job, as per the tax calculation of my job, I can't do anything about that. That's the law. 
But if I have taken anything falsely accusing somebody and taken something from them, I shall restore that fourfold. That's his declarative statement at that particular point. Can you imagine how this would have sounded to somebody who was standing there who might have lost money to Zacchaeus? Somebody might have been there waiting to see what is Jesus going to do with this Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector who's taken my money. Maybe Jesus is going to put out his hand and the guy is going to go paralyzed. Okay, so maybe there was a guy out there. But could he believe his ears now? Zacchaeus was saying, if I have taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I restore that fourfold. And I was thinking, no bank gives you this kind of returns. No share market gives you this kind of returns. No investment company gives you this kind of returns. They take your money and you get four times back. Fourfold. I said, this is fantastic. Where's the case in my life? Has anyone cheated you out of money? Don't worry about it. It's an investment. It's coming back fourfold. That's what the Bible tells us. But the other question that comes, see, that part is very nice. Okay. The other part is, when you accepted Christ, did you practice restitution? Did you do what you had to do? You might have hurt somebody. Have you gone and spoken to them? You might have taken something from somebody. Have you gone and restituted? You don't want me to talk about that, do you? But that's the thing. You see, because after Zacchaeus declared that he was going to restitute fourfold, it was then Jesus Christ said, Today, salvation has come to this house. You see, so restitution is absolutely important. Let's not forget that. We need to think back and see. Because there are people who have swindled tons of money from many people, then accepted Christ, and yet live in big mansions, while the people from whom they have swindled the money are still living in huts. The restitution has not taken place. And then they say, God has blessed me wonderfully. That is still not your money. You haven't restituted. And according to principle here, you need to restitute it fourfold. Basically, it's going to make you a pauper. You're going to go back into poverty. But that's what Zacchaeus did. And when he did that, Jesus said, Today, salvation has come into this home. So restitution is something that we need to look forward to. The third one, the third part of what we learn from Zacchaeus' story is the reward that Zacchaeus got. Number one, the Lord entered the home of Zacchaeus. How many of you would not be pleased if Jesus comes by and says, I'm coming to your home for dinner. I just want to visit with you. It's a great joy, great pleasure. It's a reward for us to say the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, my God, my Lord, my Savior is sitting at my table and we are sharing a meal. That was Zacchaeus' reward right there. People were grumbling outside. They said that uh, Jesus has gone and eating with the sinner, it's all kinds of things. It neither bothered Jesus nor did it bother Zacchaeus. So when you invite Jesus 
and he enters into your home. Your home is a godly home. Your home is a place where Christ's name is mentioned without fear or favor. Where everything done in that home is godly. That is the reward by itself. Because you have nothing to fear. Who is there in your home? God is in your home. Which spirit is going to come and interfere in that place? Not one. God is there in your home straight away. And that is the, one of the biggest rewards that Zacchaeus got. And the other reward that he got, he moved from eternal damnation to eternal life. Isn't that a reward? He was a sinner. He accepted Christ. He was saved. He became a child of God. What greater rewards can we get than these? God enters your home on earth and God reserves a mansion for you in his home. That's what he does. Zacchaeus' joy was complete when he invited the Lord and received him into his heart. And that same joy will be ours when we do the same. And I'm not talking again of uh, the unsaved, because many of us believers need to relive our experience with the Lord. We have become cold. We have become casual. We have become tolerant of injustice. We have compromised. But bring back the values of Jesus into your life. And then the joy that Zacchaeus experienced, that will be the same joy that you will be having. In a few minutes, we will be closing. But I'm going to ask you a few questions. And if you think you are that person, you may respond to it. If you are the person who needs to crucify his or her pride, I want you to stand up because we are going to pray. Are you the person who's lost the joy of the Lord and you want it back? Please stand and we'll pray. Are you the person who is clutching to worldly possessions and it's time that you let them go and you want to let them go? If you need the Lord's help to help you release what you have been clutching, please stand. And we will pray together. Are you a person who needs to practice restitution? Because if you are prepared to do so, please stand and we can pray. Are you a person looking for Jesus? Are you seeking the Lord? Because if you are, then we pray. Church, be serious. Because there is a time when you have to say where you are. There is a time when you need to look at yourself. There is a time when all of us, and I am standing for some of these right now. There are some things here which I need to stand for. 
because I don't want to play with Jesus. I want to ensure that my joy is complete. Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord Father. You are a good God. You are a gracious God. You are a loving God. And Father, I just want to pray for every one of us who is standing here, Lord Father. Those of us who have had the boldness, Lord Father, to stand and acknowledge our failings in different areas, Lord Father. Our desire, Lord, to relate to you better, Lord Father. To acknowledge that we have fallen. And to ask you, Lord Father, that you pick us up once again. Help us stand on solid ground. And bring back the joy into our life, Lord Father. Father, we ask, Lord, that even as we seek you, Lord Father, you shall truly be found. And in, your, in finding you, each one of us will get that joy. We will have that peace that comes as we stand with you, Lord Father. Father God, we thank you for every person who's chosen to call out to you this evening, Lord Father. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will honor them, Lord Father. You will honor them, Lord Father, for they are standing to you, Lord Father. And I pray, Lord Father God, that every desire of their heart, you shall fulfill, Lord Father. We thank you, we praise you. Father God, into their hearts, into my hearts, bring the joy of the Lord. We thank you, Lord Father, for the beautiful things that you're going to do. And we thank you in advance, Lord Father. We give all glory to you, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I am going to please, uh, please do, uh, take your seats. Just for a few minutes. If there's anybody who does wish to have a touch with one of our leaders, I suggest that you come forward, call our pastors and our leaders to come, and they will be able to pray with you. So if there's anyone who does need to come forward to be prayed for, please do come forward. May I call our pastors and our leaders to please come forward.
Let me do singing, wait for evening. 
Jesus, we cannot buy this with money, for free of charge you have given us tonight. Thank you for your servant that you used. Thank you for your visitation upon our life. Thank you for all the testimonies. Thank you for the testimony that we are going to hear again next month. Lord, we give you all the glory. For every expectation tonight, I decree this shall be testimony in the name of Jesus. We shall all have cause to testify in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the victory you have given us. We give you all the glory. We hold you all praise, Lord. As we go, let your presence go with us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We promise you something. Because you have done this for us, we will win more souls for you. We will win more souls for you. We will invite more, pro- more people for this program. In the name of Jesus. We will evangelize them all. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. The grace together in fellowship. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Evangelism and glory, you are blessed in Jesus' name.